0: The theme this year is unashamed, undaunted, and unstoppable. The text we're using, Numbers 19, 14 through 15, this is the law. When a man dies in a tent, all who come into the tent and all who are in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every vessel which has no cover fastened upon it is unclean. And of course, we pointed out that this, this house, this Christian tabernacle, uh, what it's referring to is their own individual homes, but it could be extrapolated to even mean the house of God. That death is working constantly around us, and if you have no covering, the contamination of the evils of this time, the problems of this hour, can get into your heart and spirit. Coverings are very important. It's a teaching that is not often taught these days in a consumer driven, market kind of oriented church world. Or people, as I said, choose churches on the basis of location, uh, any number of other things, the shortest service, um, just so many things. Psalms 105 verse 39, he spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give them light in the night. And then Genesis 30 and 27 and 28, and Laban said to him, that is to Jacob, his son-in-law, the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, Jacob has fled for his life because he has taken the birthright from his brother Esau. And now, in this far land, Pedanram, uh, Laban, who has deceived Jacob repeatedly, changed his wages 11 times, even swapped out his bride and gave him the wedding night. <laughs> his, the woman he loved instead of giving her to him, gave him her sister. I don't know how that happened. Baby, if I get married, I'm going to have the light on. I'm going to know who's in the house that night, you know. But for the life of me, I don't know how this took place, but it did. You know what? Come on now. I want to see what I paid for. Amen. Hey, wake up in the morning and find out it says the ugly sister. Thanks, but no thanks. It's not going to be happening like that. Jacob 30, and Laban said to him, Please stay if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, Name me your wages and I will give it. Just don't leave. We're talking about the function and the power of spiritual coverings, and today I want to talk about grace coverings. And Father, I'm asking that you would speak to us now. Open your word to our understanding and impact our hearts and lives forever in Jesus' name. We're talking about how spiritual coverings can dramatically impact and alter your life. This cloud over Israel was symbolic of the spiritual covering that Israel was under. The concept of a spiritual covering is explored in this 19th chapter of the book of Numbers for, of course, These laws regarding microbiology and the spread of contamination, the reason they're in your Bible to this day in this hour when people understand so much more about microbiology is simply because of the spiritual overtones and meanings that one can draw from these verses. And the Bible talks about a vessel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. If it's uncovered, with death working in marriages and families and the economy and government, death working in international relations, death working in communities, death working everywhere you turn, then this contamination, the spirit of this last age, can easily get into your life and heart and destroy you as well and rendered you unfit for the master's use. But if you're covered, that contamination is kept from being able to destroy your life by the covering that is present. Churches are spiritual coverings, and we've been talking about that. I am amazed at God and how much he wants to bless us. I am amazed at how much God wants to connect with us. It's amazing to me how much we matter to him. And when I study the subject of grace, I see that so much more vividly underscored and highlighted, emphasized, as it were, in the subject of grace than I do perhaps in any other study that I enter into in the Word of God. The problem is is that most of us have not been programmed to believe that God is for us. Many, many years ago, When I came here, the Lord gave me a word through someone that had a prophetic anointing and said that you are going to preach a message at Christian Tabernacle that God is for us and it will transform people's lives. In that early stage of the game, as it were, in my coming to be pastor here, I did not even understand that. I look back over it now and I marvel because I see how God has stripped away so much of the religious concepts and the teachings even that I was brought up under in terms of my own family, the things we take for granted and assume to be truth that often are uh, our paradigms, our beliefs uh, about life, about God, our theology about God is often formed by our parents, the significant authority figures in our life. And I look back and I see how God has systematically undone all of that over the years in me and left me with this one thing that burns in my heart so passionately, and that is God crying, I am for people. I love humanity. You would think we would understand that, but it's been, that message has been dulled as it were by, by and drowned it out by the cry of so many things. You know, we weren't taught that God was really for us. We were more inclined to be taught that we could earn God's favor, merit his favor. And then over the process of our lives, the gospel tries to systematically undo all those things. And here is, herein lies the problem. Life is so short that most of us never really pick up on how much we matter to God until it's too late. We've lived most of our lives, and we finally, that message begins to break through like the dawn of of a a sunrise after a dark night of stormy rain. And as the first rays of this begin to touch our hearts and illuminate our thinking, we look back and say, gee, I wish I'd known this years ago. Amen. Life is so short. And unfortunately, most folk never really get, most Christians never really get the message of how much God wants to bless us. We're like the 86-year-old grandmother that decided, (laughs) you know, I've lived a lot longer than I planned to. I better start taking care of myself. And so she decided to go join an aerobics class, right? And so she went down and joined the aerobics class. She jumped, she twisted, she gyrated and perspired for over an hour, and somebody said, what'd you think about it? She said, well, I jumped and twisted and perspired and gyrated for an over an hour. But by the time I got my tights on, the class had already ended. Amen. <laughs> so, for most of us, the class ends before we really learn the message. Amen. The message is God's grace is amazing. I've talked to you about blood coverings and, and prayer coverings and even worship coverings and last Sunday and today... I've begun to talk to you about grace coverings. Last Sunday, I told you there are 12 types of grace that you find in scripture, 12 different types. The bottom line is this, though there are different types of grace, it can all be summarized in this one saying, grace is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't get God's attention and plead for him to give it and beg it until he finally, oh, all right, there it is. Grace is simply God's gift. In the same way That if you wanted to give a gift to someone, you would be appalled if they then set about to try to earn that, merit that in any way. You would say, no, you don't understand. It's not a salary. It's not something you work for. It's a gift. I'm the one who wanted to give it to you. And in the same way, we need to understand what grace coverings are. They're God's active pursuit of us to bless us. When you connect with the church, there are eight types of coverings that that we're talking about, and seven of those make up the eighth, which is a ministry covering. Grace is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Somebody say, not of myself. It is the gift of God. You say, what's that talking about? The grace of the faith, both. Even faith is a grace gift. It's not of works lest anyone should boast. Speaking of grace coverings, there is one thing that I've noticed for certain during the years. As I said last Sunday, the measure of favor that individual believers experience is not the same from one believer to another. In this very building, there are people that walk in different measures of grace. I've told you the kingdom of God is represented in three dimensions, 30, 60, 100 fold. You find that throughout scripture. And there are some that look across the aisle and see someone with so much more favor. And they think God is not fair. Wait a minute. God is fair, but favor isn't. And there is a difference. The Bible clearly states God is no respecter of persons. The word grace is actually from the the Greek word charis. And it is the same word that we get our word charisma or charismatic from. And it literally means a gift that's one reason I read this passage I read this passage in Psalms. Everything God did for Israel was because of grace. I'm telling you that if anybody didn't deserve to be covered by grace like they were, it was Israel. Constantly grumbling, complaining, finding fault, accusing God if it came to deserving grace, they would have been at the end of the queue, I promise you. Yet They walked in supernatural favor because their covering of grace caused each of them to experience things that individually, on their own, they never would have experienced. It actually came about as a result, this covering did, of something that happened many hundreds of years before between God and Abraham, the founder of their nation and their patriarch. God had made a contract called a covenant with Abraham that he would bless him and his seed after him because of Abraham's faith. Faith got God's attention. And God said, I want to make a covenant with you. And you read about this covenant in Genesis 15. It was later confirmed again in Genesis 22 at the offering of Isaac. But a covenant literally comes from a Hebrew word that means a cutting. And it refers to this thing of people getting together to enter into covenant And that covenant is symbolized by cuts that they would place on themselves. For example, being in Africa, I am um, reminded often of David Livingston. And for example, Lake Victoria, I see nearly every week because I'm either flying over it or in one of the countries around it. And uh, Lake Victoria was named by David Livingston after the Queen of England. Of course, they, they had their own name for it. Their various tribes did there but david gave it an english name and that's how we've come to know it david livingston the great missionary that went and served in africa who lived with constant bouts of malaria i've had malaria that's no fun and broke his arm and and in livingston zambia where his heart is buried i've been there and they have a molding of david's arm the bones that were broken and it's just horrible they they, were, they grew back together at an odd angle. He spent his life there, gave himself for the people of Africa to preach the gospel, and he was a medical doctor and minister to their sick. And uh, when he died, the Queen of England wanted to honor him and had his body shipped back to England, to London, to bury in Westminster Abbey. And I've been there and looked at his grave in Westminster Abbey when I've been preaching meetings in and around London. But his heart is not there because his heart is buried under a tree in Livingston, Africa. And the reason for that is when the queen sent to retrieve his body, the people of Africa said, you can have his body, but you can't have his heart. His heart belongs to us. Whoa, heavy. Heavy. David Livingston, when he died, some said, had over 50 cuttings on his arms and hands. Some said over 70. Where he had entered into covenant with the tribes of the African people there. And even in our own culture here in the United States, I'm part American Indian. Many of you are, if you're not aware of it, there's hardly an Hispanic person here that doesn't have some American Indian blood in them. And whenever... American Indians would interact with uh, themselves or others, and they would enter into a covenant. They would use this cutting. They would—you've seen it on TV. Take the knife and cut the hand and clasp the hand of somebody else who cut themselves in the mingling of blood. We'd be scared to death to do that today. Amen. Uh, No way. Amen. (laughs) Here, cut his hand, not mine. And but I mean, they would cut and they would bleed and mingle their blood together and call themselves blood brothers. This amazing God that we serve, who is God divine, holy and without flaw, condescends to earth because he's found a man named Abraham who has faith. And God said, I want to be your blood brother. And this blows my mind. In in Abraham's story in in the the, the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, they took five different kinds of animals. They took a she-goat. They took a heifer they took a ram each of them were specified to be 5 year or uh, 3 years old and then they took a dove and then they took what they called in the scripture a young pigeon which I'll show you what the real translation is in a moment five different animals and they took the three animals that is the sheep the ram and the heifer and they split them into two pieces and put them lined them up like this and then they took the pigeon Young pigeon put it here and the young dove they put over here but they didn't split them in two. And then God himself came and walked down through that and the way they would do that is they would do this figure eight through this thing and go right back to the point where they started. And God came and moved through the parts of these animals and I'll show you what it means. And it is here that Israel was given their grace covering. And the, you say, why five different animals? Five's the number of grace throughout scripture. And God is demonstrating to Abraham you're going to be covered by grace. You say, why these three animals? Because they speak of the three dimensions of the kingdom of God. And and what we look at when we see that they're each three years of age, you say, why three years of age? The answer's simple. Because you look at, at the, the three Parts of the Godhead that comprise the totality of the God we serve, that we see revealed to us in the form of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and his various manifestations. There were three years that Jesus ministered, and how long was he in the tomb? Three days. There were three dimensions of his ministry. He was prophet, priest, and king. There's so much in this because we see in this, this physical demonstration of God's commitment to man a revelation even of who God is. And Abraham could not have known this at this early stage in his relationship with God. But God begins to reveal his divine identity and character. The dove why the dove? Obviously, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit from Genesis all the way through the New Testament. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the dove is unique in this regard? Nearly all other birds and animals have a gallbladder. Did you know a, a, a dove does not? It has no bitterness in it. So representative of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that a dove also mates for life, reminding us of what the Holy Spirit has promised us? He will never leave us nor forsake us. I remember years ago, I've learned to be more techie than I ever thought I would be. Amen. You can teach old dogs new tricks, I can tell you. When computers began to come out, I'm talking about computers we would have in our homes. One of the men of the church, he was Mike Massingill. He bought me a computer from my office. I said, Mike, I don't know the first thing about a computer. He said, I'm going to teach you, Rev. That's what he called me, Rev. He was actually my buddy. We were real, really good friends. Spent a lot of time traveling and missions worked together. And Mike Showed me. He said, "Is there anything you want to look up? Any questions?" I said, "Yeah, I have a question. Somebody told me the other day that 365 times with one extra, actually 366 times in the Bible, it says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Is that true?" He said, "We'll find out." He'd put a Bible program in, typed in a few words. I don't even know what he typed in, and sure enough, it, 366 times it says in the Bible, God will never leave us nor forsake us. I pushed back from my desk. I will never forget that day and said, wow, maybe there's something to this computer thing. Amen. After all, I'd already figured out why they call that little blinking thing a cursor. Amen. I figured that out on my own. Amen. But the point I'm making is, is when we look at this covenant, we see God passing through And you say, well, I thought it says a smoking lamp and a burning, uh, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp pass through. Yes. Let me tell you what that represents. The smoking furnace is actually the refiner's furnace where gold and silver are refined. And the reason the smoke is coming off is because the impurities are being burned out. And the, the lamp that is burning is actually the burning light of the word of God, So we see the power and purity of the Holy Spirit passing through these divided parts of the animal. And what we see in this is God saying that when my light shines upon you, when my word shines upon you, it's going to burn some stuff right out of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah which is why we will always always if you're looking i just say this if you're looking for a church that has a 55 minute service it's not going to happen here because we've got to worship and get in the presence of God because when God shows up that le- that furnace begins to burn some things out of your heart Are you hearing what I'm saying That's why we prioritize worship so highly here Amen And the word as well. I'm not going to be preaching any three little point, little three point sermons and telling you a joke and a poem and sending you home. And I pray that this church will never ever become that. If I'm dead and gone and you're still alive, you remember what I'm telling you, that this church has got to be a place where man can meet with God and God can show up and and the furnace can go to burning some stuff out of your heart and the light of the Word of God can shine on the inside. And God passed through and then Abraham had to pass through after him. And that same figure eight And the reason that they passed through, you see, God is a spirit. He can't cut himself. And so God cut these animals to demonstrate what the cutting meant. The cutting meant, if I do not keep the tenets of this covenant, may it happen to me the way it's happened to these animals. We understand that when Abraham says it because what Abraham is saying is, let me die rather than violate this covenant. But dare we transpose such a depth of meaning to the mighty God that we serve, because what God was actually saying was to Abraham, I'm gonna cover you with grace, and if I ever fail to keep this promise, To you, let me stop being God. I don't want to be God if I can't keep my word. And God literally is swearing upon his own existence. Are you not hearing what I'm saying today? That God has entered into relationship with mankind and put his own identity and existence at stake It is here that Abraham begins to be covered by God and and his part of the commitment is to serve God the rest of his life and God's commitment is that as long as I am God, I'm going to bless you and bless those. The promises of Genesis twelve and thirteen, I'm going to keep. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great and make your make your your descendants great. I'm out of you will you will even be a blessing, Amen. And not only am I going to bless you, you're going to be a blessing. Oh, I'm talking to you right now because if there's anything this world needs to know, it's how to stop living like a zero, a cipher. They need to have meaning. They need to have purpose. They need to make their lives count. There's nothing more frustrating to live without a sense of purpose or a reason for your existence. And God said, I'm going to make you be a blessing. Not only going to bless you, I'm going to make you be a blessing. Amen. Amen. And Abraham passes through that and said, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And if I don't, let me be like these animals. Let me die. Let my body be divided and dismembered. And God said, you got it. Blood brother. More than blood brother. God and servant. God and son. Amen. And Abraham carries this covenant with him for the rest of his life. But here's what you need to know. When God enters into a covenant, he enters into a covenant from a multi-generational perspective. That covenant didn't just bless Abraham. The writer of Hebrews said that Levi paid tithes in the loins of Abraham. Abraham in other words what Abraham did benefited and impacted generations that were not even yet born because Levi hadn't been born yet oh Lord not only had Levi not been born neither had Jacob been born neither had Isaac been born but God was looking at them from a multi-generational perspective you see when God enters into a covenant of grace it doesn't just extend to you it extends to everything that's coming out from you it <laughs> To your kids it extends to your grandchildren you see and let me make this retrospective now some of you think you've been blessed because of who you are no 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 somebody back yonder years ago maybe you didn't even get to meet your antecedent maybe you didn't even get to know who they were but they had a covenant with God and they made a relationship with God exists that you're still being blessed by right now Oh, somebody in the building say, amen. Amen. Oh, the same is true today as it was with Abraham. If I can't think of any other reason why I want to serve God, I can tell you this, I want to serve God because my children are going to be blessed. And my grandchildren are going to be blessed. A couple of Sundays ago, Andrew preached, and I was deluged with, with emails and text messages. After I got home, I don't get my text messages overseas, but how well he had done, and I just sat there by myself and, and lifted my hands and said, thank you, God, thank you, thank you, not because I deserve it, There was a grandmother that broke through before I ever showed up on the scene and I'm blessed because of her, but now I see my grandchildren being blessed and and you don't know what you're setting in motion. Which is why, as I said, you should never choose your own covering. God should choose it for you. Amen. The way that God facilitated the passing on of this covering was through the birthright. The eldest son received what was called the birthright. That gave him the lion's share of the inheritance. He got twice as much as all the others. And not only that, he became the priest, the spiritual leader to his family. And so when Abraham passed on, that moved to Isaac. When Isaac passed on, it moved to the next one. And when that one passed on, it moved to the 12 sons. You see, it should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but it wasn't. It was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Jacob was not the firstborn son. He was not. Esau was the one in line for it. But like some of us, if we're not careful, we don't value our spiritual prerogatives. We don't know where the blessings come from. We don't value it. We just grew up in it. Dare I say a word, sometimes those who have been through the most stuff are the ones that value him the most. And oh, Lord. That's why Jesus said, told that story when that woman came and taken, I mean, when she confessed to all her wrongdoings and and the Pharisees in the house were complaining, she's washing Jesus' feet. And Simon, get this, Simon the leper, like he's got any room to talk, right? Simon the leper looks down his snooty nose and said, he really were a prophet, he'd know what manner of woman this was. And Jesus went on to talk about to whom much is forgiven, they love much. Sometimes people that are in the worst possible circumstance value the spiritual things that God brings into their lives more than those of us who grew up with it. I gotta preach to you right now. Forgive me, I gotta talk to you right now. What do I mean by that? I mean sometimes people that have struggled are the ones that appreciate the breakthrough more than those that have lived with a silver spoon in their mouth. I want you to know that God takes your disadvantages and turns them into advantages and he takes your setbacks and turns them into setups and and takes your reversals and reverses them and they become the instrumentalities of your blessing and your promotion was certainly the case with Jacob, Jacob grew up unloved by his father, Isaac. Talk about a dysfunctional home, man, it was dysfunctional. Abraham was no no blue star winner of the father's year of the war uh, year of the father of the Year award either and they they all were so dysfunctional it 's amazing, and Isaac loved Esau and barely even you, Jacob existed. On the other hand, Jacob was loved by his mother. She didn't pay much attention to Esau. Esau was a man that lived for the here and now, not the now and later. Just between me and you live for the, the now and later rather than the here and now. Amen. And so he got hungry one day and he had been hunting. He came in, Jacob was fixing lentils. You know what lentils are? Amen. Nice meal, but nothing I'd sell my birthright over. You know what I'm talking about? At least throw in a steak or two for heaven's sakes. But no, Esau was hungry and he said, I want some of that that lentil pottage, that soup you're making. And Jacob said, no, can't give it to you. You They're only enough for me. And Esau said, please, man, I'm dying. (laughs) Now, watch this. You be careful lest you take your little old bumps in the road and start turning them into things they're not. Oh, I'm going through so much. What? And all you did was stub your toe? There's some of us that make mountains out of molehills. Come on, I'm preaching to you right now. We have a gift for overstating the seriousness of the situation. Yeah, amen. And Esau was doing that, overstating the seriousness of his circumstance. I'm dying. No, you're not. You only miss. You know, since breakfast, you're gonna make it till supper. I know you think you're dying, but you're not. Just hold on. You know what that tells me? He never went through very much. Because when you go through some rough places, you learn you can survive stuff you didn't know you could survive. Am I talking to anybody? right now that you can just lift a hand and say, by the grace of God, I've made it through some stuff I didn't know I could ever make it through. Somebody needs to be giving God some praise right now. Oh, yes, you'll forgive me. It seems warm or I'm just preaching hard, but I'm going to take this off for a moment. Amen. The story blesses me. I look at this, and Esau sold his birthright to Jacob to consummate the deal. It needed to be recognized by Jacob's and Esau's spiritual authority. Mm. Amen. And you see, Jacob sets about to go get the blessing from his father, Isaac. He knows his dad loves Esau. So he puts on Esau's clothes put some lamb's wool over his hands and walks in and says hi daddy I've come to get a blessing he said who are you he said I'm Esau I said you sound like Jacob come here and he came close and he reached out and put his hands on the wool on Jacob's arms and said it's the voice of Jacob but it's the feel of Esau never go by your feelings go by the voice can I hear somebody in this building that knows what I'm talking about, say amen. And do you know what Jacob did? He deceived his father. This is what blows my mind because you see, while Esau is happy and contented, Jacob has grown up despised and ignored by his daddy. And I want to tell you what it put in him. It put in him what it put in some of us. You see, some folk just give up they dial out. They, they just give up on life and become angry at everything and everybody, including God. But there's some folk that what you've gone through, you don't let it turn you off. You let it turn you on. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. It made Jacob hungry for more. I'm preaching to somebody. You're not supposed to even be where you're at right now, but your hunger is going to carry you to a place that nothing else can ever take you to. Amen. Amen. And Jacob literally deceived his father into giving him the blessing, and this is what blows my mind. God honored it. You think God looked down and said, ah, But I'll tell you what God honored. It wasn't the deception. It was the hunger. Because God wasn't all that much (laughs) in favor of Esau's attitude anyway. And here's what I want you to know. Esau remained blessed the rest of his life. I know we don't think that. We think he didn't get blessed. He was blessed. Read what the Bible says. He became the father of nations as well. Not only that, when Jacob walked in wearing Esau's clothes and his daddy brought him close thinking, this is Jacob trying to deceive me, brought him close and said, it's the voice of Jacob, but it's the hands of Esau. And then he sniffed and he said, see, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. You may not realize it, but when I walk by, you're smelling blessing walk by. Hello, sir. i got blessed just by being in the kingdom amen i'm carrying a blessing but i want more than that i want the birthright it entitles me to half of what my daddy has amen and jacob hungered and here's the point that i'm, I'm trying to make here is that esau did not value the sir. And some folk would rather have the blessing than the blesser. But if you lose the blesser and all you have left is a blessing, that's not very much. Because the blesser, if he walks out the door with you like Jacob did, you can leave with nothing but the shirt on your back and the sandals on your feet and end up in a different place, a distant country, where your own kin tried to deceive you and scheme you. I mean, like I said, he falls in love with Laban's younger daughter, and the custom was he had to marry the older one all first, and Laban deceives him, and to, for the life of me. I mean, seriously, guys, put yourself in his could you see yourself not knowing to in the morning? They put something in his Kool-Aid that night. That's all I can say. Amen. From the very get-go, Laban deceived Jacob, changed his, his wages 11 times. And finally, after 22 years, God spoke to Jacob and said, go back to Bethel. Amen. And Jacob tells Laban, I'm leaving. And Laban begins to beg, please, is the scripture, is what the scripture said, please stay. My God, don't leave whatever you do. I know I've changed your wages 11 times. I know I married you off to the wrong girl. I did all of this stuff, but I've learned one thing that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. You know what he was referring to? That covering of grace that Jacob walked under, because no matter what you do to some Somebody that's under a covering of grace, God's going to turn it around and make it into a blessing. And you can't, oh, you can't stop the blessing of God when you have the blesser. Amen. One of the most important things I've ever learned in life is to stop fretting over the challenges you face. Stop worrying about what you're going through stop spending time concerned about the things you're experiencing that are negative (laughs) you know why because if all you focus on is the here and now you're like esau but if you focus on the here and the later you're going to realize throw me a curve if you want to devil put the wrong person in my tent Amen. Change my wages 11 times. But when I get ready to leave, you're going to know something when I'm walking out the door. That I've been blessed the whole time I've been here. And even you in your unrepentant state are going to have to acknowledge it. Oh, Lord, have mercy. When you connect with a spiritual covering of grace, it causes blessing to be released in your life that is beyond your ability to understand. Now, I would say, life lesson, learn from Esau. Think about what you do before you do it. Because he didn't. And that decision that he didn't stop to think about, he thought about it plenty later on. What he was actually giving away was his grace covering the covering that God had given to Abraham that he had handed down to Isaac that was supposed to be Esau's had now gone to Jacob. And not only had it gone to Jacob, it extended throughout Jacob's generations as well. Amen. And this is why you find the children of Israel in the wilderness <laughs> in the most inhospitable place on the face of the planet where the sun Temperatures can soar to 120 and have been known to get up to 140 in the summer. And there'll only be one inch of rain every 10 years. That's spread out over 10 years too, by the way. It gets so hot in some of these places, do you know that when it rains, seriously speaking, the rain evaporates before it hits the ground. That's how bad it is. And in the middle of that kind of desert, <laughs> you look around, it's blossoming like a garden. And an and old king, the old king of Balak of, of, of Moab, looks over and sees that and he can't figure it out. And so he hires a prophet by the name of Balaam, who was a prophet for prophet. A P R O P H E T for P R O F I T. We got a few of those in this world today. Amen. Amen. And he said, I want you to curse this nation for me because they got some stuff going on. They're out here in the same desert we've lived in. We've never had manna on the ground. We've never had a garden blossom like a rose. We've never had divine protection like them. And he brings Balaam to a place, a vantage point on one of the peaks. And from there, Jacob can look out and see the nation of Israel. And this is why it's important that that you understand that pillar of fire was not vertical, it was horizontal. That's why I read the verse, God spread out like you spread peanut butter on a slice of bread when you're making a sandwich, spread it out, amen. He looked out and saw the nation of Israel with a cloud spread. And Balaam said, I got some good stuff to give you. Balak did, man, all you gotta do is cuss them. And I got the profit for profit here, so I can make the profit happen for the profit. Amen. I can give you the profit if you will give me the prophecies. You give me the prophecies, I'll give you some money. And Balaam rears back and intends to say, "I cuss you, you blankety blank, so and so," and instead he says, "I bless you, you wonderful." <laughs> And the king gets agitated and says, I thought I hired you to cuss them. And you're over here blessing them. That's the point I want to leave you with. When you're under a covering of grace, the devil cannot curse you. God will turn it into a blessing every time. Am I in a house where there's somebody ready to be blessed?